The following is a hoop ball presentation. Check out Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets Online, hoop-ball.com. Fantasy basketball is coming up real soon. Check out Hoopball right now. They're already opening up leagues both um, for money and free. If you're just trying to get in there and, and have some of the fun um, of experiencing the fantasy side of things, definitely do that. Our fantasy um, materials are already out to kind of get the edge, whatever you're looking for there. Get on top of that for sure. Hoop-ball.com on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets. I'm joined today by my friend, fellow SBC alum, Anarud Kantaridi. Um, happy to have Anarud on. He came with his great idea about a week or so ago, which is good. It's, it's perfect because I was already thinking about transitioning after my offseason reviews into how am I going to do some more general, you know, um, taking stock of the NBA season. Like, what is the idea um, to kind of go about, about that? And your boy didn't really have one. Um, but Anarud did hit me up um, about, you know, doing um a, a, not even a power ranking as much as um, – like a tier system on the NBA and where they all are. Um, and shout out to uh, my boy Garrett Bouguet, um on Twitter, co-host of um, well, he's the host. I'm the co-host of Duncan Dynasty. Um, he actually dropped a, a one um, a little bit ago, about a couple a week in, or two weeks ago. Uh, that was fun as well. So with that, I mean, I'm bearing the lead. First off, Anarud, how you doing, man? Good. How are you, dude? I'm pumped, excited, uh, stir crazy. You know. <laughs> while we're recording this has been just a heck of a day but excited to kind of do this um you know coming off of um a weekend where we saw the hall of fame and you know the days are ticking down before the nba season comes back comes back around it's a lot of excitement it's, it's also funny because like wow the grind of the season is about to start again i feel like we've been moving the entire time you know yeah i think these last few weeks have just been so calm it feels a bit weird mm-hmm. but Every day you hear more stuff about the Ben Simmons stuff. It's like, eh, the grind never really ends at this point. You know, that's hilarious because that's exactly right. There's always stuff, and it's part of what we love about the league. You know, stuff's always going. Sometimes, like, you know, a break wouldn't be the worst thing. But honestly, you're right. There's never end in terms of material, storylines, basketball, actual hoops, transactions, all of that. So a lot of fun for sure. And something that like I'm complaining about sort of, but not really because I love it. I'm sure you do too, but um, bro, you gotta, let's break down um, our tier system. You know, we have 30 NBA teams, a lot had a ton of action this off season. Um, how do you rank uh, your NBA tiers among all the teams? Of course, those who are contending, those who aren't and everywhere in between. So the way I like to do it is I have usually my tier one, which is just like the immediate contenders. So this year it's going to be a pretty small group. And those are the teams I expect should make the finals. If everything goes right, where if health and everything else is assumed, they should have the talent to make the finals and be competing for a title. And then I have a second tier, which is usually the teams that are just below that, where they probably have the talent to where if they get into the finals, they can put up a good fight, but they're just a step below these other top tier teams. And then you have your tier three, which is just kind of teams that aren't really contenders, but could put up a fight 
usually it's because they have one or two really good players that are carrying the team, but as a whole, they're not ready yet. Tier four is kind of just your rebuilding teams that are still young and fighting to get into the playoffs. And with the new play and stuff, I think we can start to break that group further down to two more tiers where one is really fighting for that play in. And then you have kind of your OKC, which is just staying in the back and hoping for the next pick. I'm with that. I'm with that. I have pretty much the same thing. You have like your, 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 your title contenders, you have your, um, teams in the mix you know um you have your playoff teams and then we got uh, i i usually call them the best of the rest because that's just the rest of the teams but the same type of tier where yeah they're, they're not you know they're, they're there you know they're around they're they're probably gonna be taking up the rear um because i think everything else especially with the playing tournament the lines get a lot more clear you know what i mean you have teams any team that's comp- competing for a playing spot at the minimum is potentially a playoff team whereas if you're in the lottery you're in the lottery yeah so I think you you're starting to see that, especially in the East, where before there used to be this huge gap. Nowadays, it's looking that the gap is shrinking, and it's going to be a lot more competitive. Exactly. No, 100%. And that's what's going to be interesting to kind of see where all of this kind of falls, uh, especially right now, you know, like you said, taking stock of everything that's happened so far. So um, I think the first question I have to ask you is, where do you want to start at the top or the bottom, Anurud? I think it's best to start off at the top. Uh, All right. Well, Luther, those are the teams that everyone wants to hear about. So. <laughs> See, I was going to make them wait or skip to the end. No, I'm fine. But I'm totally with you. Let's let's totally do that. Um, I'll have you start. Who are your short list of uh, uh, championship contenders as of right now taking stock? So I think there's only three teams in this top tier. The Nets, the Bucks, and the Lakers. Okay. Um, Nets, I mean, everyone kind of knows what they are at this point. They're this offensive juggernaut that has Katie, Harden, Kyrie, and a bunch of really good role players. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bucs, obviously defending champions, you cannot count them out. And the Lakers, for the sheer fact, you have LeBron James. I'm never going to bet against him. I'm with you on that as well. It's it's the, the, the championship power on that. At the top. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, love him, hate him. I tend to love him here at Ramble Ramble, but he has many uh, detractors. That's a lot of talent. You know, that team, any team would like you said, LeBron and AD is already in that short list. Which, which, I mean, they could be surrounded with a bunch of uh, roster iterations, and I'd say that, right? I mean, if you think about it, like, the biggest thing that you need for a championship team is, do you have a top five player? And if you go back since the merger, Almost every championship team, except maybe that 04 Pistons, had a top five player. I mean, just in the last 10 years, it's been LeBron, Steph, Katie, Dirk, Kawhi, Tim Duncan. It's just been, if you had that top five guy, you pretty much have a shot at winning the championship. And all three mm-hmm. of these teams have that top five guy. You have Katie and Harden, obviously, Giannis, and you have LeBron. True. So that's. And then you pair LeBron with AD, who's probably like the best version of a second of your second option that you can get, then there's no point in doubting them. That's a solid team. You just put the role players around them, they'll make it work. I agree. I agree. And I think both all teams have made um, decent moves to at least around those upper tier talents with the necessary help that's needed. Um, my one question I think actually be would be more Milwaukee. Um Losing P.J. Tucker, uh, how big of a loss do you think that is for them? 
I think it's a pretty solid loss for the playoffs, not as much regular season. Definitely. Um, the biggest thing P.J. Tucker did was allow them to switch a lot more, and they started to switch for the first time since last year in the playoffs when they kind of refused to switch. Um, I think that was the biggest criticism of Budaholzer was just not adjusting. But this year they switched a lot when they needed to, and mm-hmm. Tucker was a huge part of it. I think bringing in a guy like Semi Ojale could help, but it's just the gap between him and P.J. Tucker, a guy who's been in the league for a while, has been on these playoff teams. I think you're just going to lose that experience. Yeah, I agree with that. Not only you said the experience, the know-how, and just a more competent defender on those guys. Oh, for sure. Like, if you want a guy who can guard KD, Tucker's on that very short list of people that you're comfortable putting on KD. Exactly. This is the best example I have for this is like, you know, going home and it's like, okay, it's a horrible example. I'm gonna go with it anyway. I'm driving home with my family. I'm a kid, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I want I want a McDonald's cheeseburger. And my family said, oh, yeah, McDonald's cheeseburgers at home. Well, guess what? No, we don't. We have cheeseburgers. You know, they're they're yep. the same thing in concept, but they're totally different things because McDonald's cheeseburger is just different. And I feel like they tried to do the whole, oh, we have PJ Tucker at home. But it's like, no, you don't. Like the guy you have, while solid, Ojale is not a Tucker. The guy who defended his butt off and still almost lost if yeah. Kevin Durant's foot size or shoe size was a little bit smaller. Defend his absolute tail off and still almost lost that. Would Ojale have even been in that conversation with the initial move of Shook him? You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's a wide gap between the two, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like they're going for the same player archetype, but you have Tucker as the guy who's established and you know what he can bring. Sammy Ojale, you still have to see. But for the Bucks, I did like some of the other moves they made, okay. such as bringing in Grayson Allen. I think that's a good guy to have on their team, especially with what they had to give up, which is barely anything. I think it was just the uh, Grant Roller contract. Mm-hmm. Might be wrong about that, but um, it was pretty much getting Chris Allen, who will be able to play in and probably be a playoff rotation guy who can hit threes, knows what to do. It's solid. It's solid. And you're right. I mean, they made some depth pieces there, I guess. My, and they just won. You can't discount the fact that you're bringing back a bunch of guys who won together now already kind of have that experience as a unit, especially if you're looking at Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, how they all blend, having been through the battles, having been through the fire and come out on top, that that championship experience can't be can't be quantified. You know, you bring in this new group of people, some who fit in better in that way, um, bringing in shooting, like you said, Grayson Allen, uh, Semi Ojale, while not Pete Tucker, still solid. And the Bucks have always been a good regular season team, at least as long as they've been championship contenders. Um, they've been more than that. So that is that is uh, the the proof there on the why to be high about them. Um, do you have any concerns about, well, first the Nets and the Lakers that we can kind of not poke holes in because they're there for a reason and we both have them unanimously, unanimously in that group, but just like things you're concerned about? I mean, obviously Lakers, one, just having a brand new team. Uh, and the second thing will be Russ. But for you, what, what are your thoughts on both the Lakers and the Nets? So I think the Lakers, the biggest thing is their defense. What's this going to look like? Because last year, Frank Vogel had them set up pretty well defensively to where even without AD and LeBron, they were still able to maintain a pretty solid defense with guys like Caruso, KCP. And overall, the talent level of the team was pretty solid defensively. Even Kuzma was a solid defender for them. But just bringing in a bunch of new guys who – some of them are okay on defense, like 
I think Trevor Reza can still bring it a little bit on defense. Offensively, he still has some question marks. But Westbrook has not been the greatest defender in the last couple of years, if you want to say that. Um, guys like Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, none of them are really the same level defenders as a Caruso. So I think their defense could take a step back. And that defense was a huge part of their identity. I agree. I agree. It was kind of their bread and butter in that way. And now they're transitioning almost 100% to offense in that way. How does that defense look? And is it enough, you know, while definitely weaker than uh, previous iterations, it is still strong enough that uh, Coach Frank Vogel, obviously a defensive coach can, coach, can work with? Yeah, for sure. Because, like, I think when they you have 80 on the floor, you'll be fine. It's just going to be those minutes without him. And potentially, what are you going to do with the center? They lost Mark Gasol, which – I would love to do an entire podcast it. on the history of Marcus Soule yeah. and the legacy that that man has. For real. But why did they let go of Marcus Soule? Dude, you you have to tell me. I am so mad about that. I don't get I mean, it. So if it's if it's the way I'm reading it is that he kind of wants to take some time off and be with his family in Spain, which, yeah, go ahead. I totally understand that. But last year, it was like Marcus Soule didn't have that bad of a year for them. And I think he's still the perfect guy you can have to put on a Jokic or an Embiid. He's like one of the few guys I would trust on them. Yes, exactly. You said it. The defensive IQ, the ability to space the floor. You know, even the threat of spacing the floor. You went from that to a Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. You're not worried about them, you know, 30 feet, 15 feet, 10 feet, 5, maybe 3 to 5, depending on how you feel about their respective hook shots. Why do you need both Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't get it either, especially when you're going to have AD play more than five. And even if you are having AD play more than five, Dwight Howard is the primary backup, and then DeAndre Jordan's depth. Couldn't you have short of depth in other places, you know, namely point guard or another wing? Yeah, for sure. It's just – I still have some questions on them, but – Definitely agree. You have LeBron in AD, so you kind of just have to give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yep. You said uh, it. And then on the Nets. Yes, um, the Nets. Front court. What's – I think they have similar issues where they brought back LaMarcus Aldridge. We don't know what he'll be like, but it's good for him to finally get back in the league after a bit of a scare. Um, I really like Claxton. I think he should play more, but is Claxton, Blake, LaMarcus going to be enough? I think they might need another guy who can just sure up a little more of that run protection role. Mm-hmm. But I agree they might just be so good offensively that it kind of doesn't matter. Like they brought in Patty Mills, which is super underrated for a move. And they just might be the best offense and it might not matter. That's crazy. But yeah, it's true. I mean, their offense might be, like you said, just so superpowered enough that as crazy as it may seem, they have no reason to worry about anything else. Okay. You're going to score 140, we'll score 150. Like whatever you're going to bring to the table, we will bring more. And, 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 and the sad thing is like, or the crazy thing is what I like to think is not sad. It's just that like there is a hundred percent or not hundred percent. There's a very strong reason to believe that, you know? Yeah. It's like you have Kevin Durant, forget about Kyrie. You have Kevin Durant and James Harden on the same team. That's already yeah. an elite offense. Then you also just have Kyrie who is one of the best shot creators we've ever seen. You have Joe Harris, who's one of the best floor spacers. You have Patty Mills. You have just a bunch of guys on that team that can score. It's it, They're going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I just 
like wow it's just the a way they have so much firepower is insanity to me um but again you know injury struck them last year and that firepower was was fizzled real quick so it, it really does kind of depend i guess on on kind of seeing how things shake out um in terms of you know obviously knocking on wood good health for all and and seeing how that um bears its bears itself moving forward you know for sure i mean how much did the three of them play together not very little not very many games. I think like the most we've ever got to see them was that first round against mm-hmm. the Celtics. But even then, that's still not that many games. So health no. is always going to be a big question with them, especially with the Lakers as well, with the age. But I think the Bucs are relatively fine in that aspect. But overall, I think that's pretty much all the concerns with those three teams. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's, and the funny thing is, it's not enough, obviously, to knock them off that pedestal. But it is something that, like, okay, something to look at moving forward. You know, things to just consider. So I am 100% um, on board and with that. And I guess with that, um, let's let's take it down to uh, your, your next tier. So I had a hard time with this tier. But I think, <laughs> yeah. I think there's – so I try to make this tier as small as possible because mm-hmm. I think there aren't as many teams in that next group. So I have the Jazz, the Suns, and the Heat. As like in a tier by themselves. Okay, like contender types. Yes, where they're probably just a step below. Where the Jazz, the Jazz is the one team I'm most questionable on. Rightfully the Suns so. I trust more. The Heat I trust more. The Jazz I have some questions. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I, you know, I guess I'll go through my little tier as well on that. And it is the same as you in terms of the sun. Oh, wow. I went and muted myself as I was talking because that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I have the suns, the jazz, um, the heat, and I put the 76ers in there as well. Okay. So for me, the 76ers were just below just because of the Ben Simmons stuff. Make perfect sense. And I'll yes. tell you, I argued in my head, I was thinking the same thing. The only reason why I decided to keep them there is because I thought whatever they get, you know, barring something horrible and just, I have a lot of faith, obviously, in Daryl Moore, that whatever they get in in exchange for Ben Simmons, even if it's not a superstar talent, will fit better than the Philadelphia 76 will be able to, like, kind of hang around in that upper echelon, you know? But I could totally see why you had them on the outside looking in. Yeah, for me, I think it's if they keep Ben Simmons, they're in a tier below. Mm. But if they get if they actually move off from him, I think they'll be a bit higher because I think the the relationship is just way too toxic for them to survive right now. hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that it's it's a lot. I mean, OK, let's get your take on the Ben Simmons situation real quick, because I feel like we can't really have a deep dive in the well, not a deep dive, but just like a real conversation about addressing the elephant in the room there. And for myself, he has to go. That's how I look at it. He has to go. Is he a talent? Yes. Is he like dog doo-doo, whatever the case that people are jumping on now? No. My one thing I've always said about Ben Simmons is that he's just not a point guard. I don't think he is. I think he's a playmaking four. Those are not at all the same thing. He's probably the closest thing to Draymond, where he's a guy who's perfect in transition, who's amazing in the short role, a guy who's a defensive monster. Although I think Draymond is a much better rib protector and can actually play the five. But Ben Simmons, I think he has to be a system where you have four shooters around him and he's off the ball. He's a screener. 
he gets to be a playmaker in four on three situations, but he is not the lead initiator. No, no, he's not. And and the uh, the fault of the 76ers was thinking that he was and then staying with that, despite that not being the case. You know what I mean? So I'm totally with you on, on, on that entirely. Um, I also think that another mistake they made was signing guys like Dwight Howard and now Andre Drummond, where one of the things I really wanted them to do was just in bench units without Embiid, have Simmons be at the five and just kind of run a pseudo four out lineup where it's just him four shooters and kind of play him like Giannis where he can just attack the rim and pass out. Yeah. I think by just always having one of those traditional fives out there, it kind of didn't let you see as much of Ben Simmons as you might've wanted. No, you're right. I don't think the 76ers, um, really built well around um, Ben Simmons, but I also wonder if a lot of that, okay, their best year, I think, was that one 2017-2018 year. Butler. You know? Yeah, exactly. Jimmy Butler, you had Embiid, yeah. you had Ben Simmons, you had J.J. Redick, you had shooting around them as well. You know? That was the best year they had in terms of I mean, good if, if roster. if the Kawhi shot doesn't go in, there's a good chance they win the championship. Exactly. You said that was the closest they've been. And then we look at this totally different, you know, um, it did, you know, things went differently. I think that was the best iteration when they went away from that first to try to supersize their lineup and go full defense. Then to kind of go back down to more uh, a conventional lineup. They kept Ben Simmons entrenched in that kind of starting one position. And with him not being a threat to shoot the ball from any semblance of distance, it, it really just shows how tough it was you know how how talented he was to make it work in spite of that but then obviously at the higher levels that was not the case you know and and, and we saw exactly the weaknesses kind of rear their ugly head in that environment and then we saw where we're at right now and it's like if you bring him in a spot like you said a Draymond role which I think is perfect then you're in a position where he's able to you know grab the ball off the break be a secondary point guard, you know, make plays, you know, Draymond's not really a threat to shoot. He shoots it more than um, Simmons does, but I mean, we don't want him to, his shooting has rest tremendous over the last couple of seasons, his offensive game as a whole, but he's still able to make an impact on the floor. And a lot of that's because he's not fully the point guard, you know, you're able to play along, along somebody who is. Yeah, for sure. And then mm-hmm. the other thing that worries me about Ben Simmons though, is his lack of aggression is quite concerning. It very much is. Because, Draymond, for instance, will attack the rim. If he sees an opening, he will go and attack. He'll shoot if need be. He'll always be putting pressure somehow. Ben Simmons isn't the same kind of guy where we saw him. I mean, think that like play that went viral was him passing up a dunk, but Mm -hmm. that wasn't the only time he's done that multiple times before. And he's been kind of doing that for a long time where he won't even attack the free throw line and try to just get to the rim. I think, like, people always talk about him as, like, potentially being, like, a Giannis type, but Mm -hmm. Giannis isn't scared to go to the line. He'll constantly attack the rim. Simmons isn't that guy yet. And I think if you're a new team trying to grab Ben Simmons and potentially rehabilitate him in your team, you you have to be worried about that. Yeah, yeah, you said it. And and that's going to be a real – that's something really interesting in terms of seeing where he's going to be, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think I have, like, a few destinations that, to me, would make sense. Like, for instance, just as a basketball fan, I really want to see him in Memphis. Okay. Ooh, where he can be the four next to Jared Jackson. 
Wow. Just I think defensively, that would be such a good unit. If you have a front court of Jared Jackson and Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. But um, wow. I think the other popular one is next to Towns, where you have a force facing five who can be a little kind of like a Jokic light, where Ben Simmons doesn't have to be the primary creator. Yeah. Yeah, that that's 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 cool. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's just like wow, like yeah, that, that that's a nice, intriguing pick. I hadn't even thought about it. like this is me thinking about it for the first time. That's really solid. I like that a lot. Any other like wild card uh, fits you want him on? I like him Minnesota, but I feel Minnesota's been talked about so many times, and I even did myself. I'm, I think that that's kind of where I like him. But what about where where do you have him aside from that? Because that's a really good one. But I guess my first question: Who would you give up if you're um, Memphis for that. I'm Memphis. I mean, because they're gonna want the guy. You know, you know that if you're Daryl Moore, you're asking. You know, you're not gonna get it, but you're asking for John Morant. You're asking for Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, you're going through the core. You know, or or half the bench. Are you are you just saying like this would be a good fit, just like what you'd like to see, but not something that might actually happen? I like it. No, I'm just I don't think there's it. an actual deal. That oh, okay, that makes there. Yeah, um, I like it. Then I get you, but. I mean, if I had to come up with one, it would probably be something like Dylan Brooks, D'Anthony Melton, Steven Adams, and a couple picks. That um, was good on the fly. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm probably way too high on D'Anthony Melton compared to everyone else in the league, especially the Sixers. Um, and also, the Sixers kind of want a lot of players who can come in and help now. And I don't think Dylan Brooks and D'Anthony Melton is going to be enough. No. They're not um, those sidekicks. The kind of like obvious offer is Sacramento where it's like healed and Halliburton or healed and um, Mitchell or like some package where it's healed going to the Sixers. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the Sixers want. Um, if they're still going to be hellbent on getting Lillard or Beal, I don't think you're getting a deal anytime soon. No. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. You're right. It's, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Do you think that he's on the 76ers come to start of the year? No, I think he's going to be gone by the time the roster cutdown happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it feels way too toxic. He I came agree. out and said that, like, it's not my job to uh, raise my trade value or something. Which I thought was hilarious, but I might add. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, technically right because it's not the season anymore, but but even He's now, you can't better pretend. in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, even now, you can't pretend to be humble. You can't pretend to be diplomatic in that way. I know it was through his representation, but I'm just saying, like, he hasn't handled it super great himself. Oh, for sure. It's just, it's a really bad situation. I think the sooner the Sixers can move on from him, the better for both sides. Agree. Very, very much, very much so agree. You're right. Like, the sooner this is done, the, the better off everyone is. Um, any questions on these on your other teams that we have thoughts on? So the Heat, I think it's pretty clear why they're in this tier. Um, you have Butler, you have Bam, you have Lowry. If I'm a basketball team, I'm not going – I don't want to go against the Heat. I'm sorry. I am not being defended by those three <laughs> and then P.J. Tucker – no, I no, just thank feel you. Like that's gonna be a drag to go through, but I think if they can get through the season healthy and come out with a healthy Butler and a healthy Lowry, they can be pretty formidable in the playoffs. Um, I'm still a bit worried about the lack of real spacing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not a whole lot there. 
And like, you're asking, they still uh, haven't replaced that Jay Crowder guy. And no like floor spacing four who can really play next to Bam and be a little bit solid defensively. Like I think Marquise Morris will be okay, but Jay Crowder was just too good of a role for him for the Heat. Yeah, he fit perfectly. The fact they didn't bring him back is a real shame. All right, like they tried to bring, they tried to replicate some of that with Trevor Ariza. That didn't work out at all, really. Um, and then now you see, you know, they kind of went by, I guess, by committee bringing in the pieces that they did. But I, I think it's possible they're going to be a really good team, but I don't see them having enough, like you said, spacing to make it all work consistently. It's going to be a lot of Duncan and Lowry to space the floor. Exactly. And it's like, that's a lot on those two guys to make all of the offense for, especially when you got, you got guys who are complete non-shooters in, you know, well, ah, let me not say non-shooters, but just relative, they don't want to shoot the ball in, in guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, obviously, you upgrade the point guard position. You know, you you bring in a lot of guys in terms of um, kind of su- not su- upgrading the roster uh, and, and seeing how that all comes together. Like, it is a different team. You do have Victor Oladipo in there. Like, they did a lot. You know, it was, it was a, a little bit of a hectic start for them between – Lowry, you know, um, PJ Tucker, uh, you know, doing even the two ways, Dwayne Dedman, bringing him back, bringing him back, um, Marquise Morris. I like that move. Uh, and then Victor Oladipo as well. Uh, that, this is a lot of stuff there, you know, but like you said, the overall spacing, um, I, I want to say the consistent one-on-one offense. I mean, Lowry can be that guy, but isn't always that guy. Uh, we saw it occasionally kind of grind down when you look at guys like um, Adebayo and Butler to manufacture everything, so that is an issue as well. Um, it, it's definitely been is is definitely um, is definitely different. Yeah, for sure. And I think just overall help for this team, like even all the depot, like if he can be, I don't know, like sixty to seventy percent of what he was, that would be huge for this team. But we don't know if that old depot will ever be back. We we really don't, and that's another thing. Like if he comes back then great. This looks amazing. If not, I, I I don't know how you, I mean, if not, it's not a major loss because it really depends on how much the Heat are relying on him. You know what I mean? Right now, there's like, hey, if he plays well, found money. If not, say la vie. But it, it, let's not say be disappointing because the loss would be just how much helpful he would be if healthy. Like, it's not like, oh, we're relying on him to give us X, Y, Z, but it's more like, wow, imagine what we would have had had he been, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like the guy they're relying on is Tyler Hero. Can he be better than last Big year? Big time. Yes. Become a little more closer to what he was in the bubble, where he was a real shot creator and a guy you could go to a little bit. Uh, I think last year was a bit of an anomaly. I think he's not that bad, but I think the bubble was a bit of a mirage and he might never be that good. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you on that for sure. And I, I tend to agree. I think that he had some nice, uh, you know, nice stuff he showed. Um, flashed a nice bag. Obviously, a good shooting. Really was hot for them during their playoff run. Tailed off a little bit in the finals, and we haven't seen that again. Uh, very similar to Anthony Davis in the mid-range shooting. Like, that's not to say Anthony Davis can't make it a mid-range shot. Not to say that Tyler Hero is a bad basketball player. But it is saying that what they showed during that time, you know, may have been a little bit of a flash-in-the-pan type of performance that isn't easily replicated, if at all. For sure. And I think uh, you want to move on to another team? Uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, we have what the Suns and the the Jazz, right? Jazz. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can take the Suns who went to the finals. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're still a good team. It's just Chris Paul's getting older, and 
unless Devin Booker and DeAndre and Mikael Bridges take a big step again. Uh, I don't see this team being a true contender. I think they're just a step below. I agree. Um, but I'd like the JaVale McGee signing. It was good to have a backup five. I think overall, I just kind of like that they kept their team going and didn't try to break it apart a little bit. And they just kind of added on little pieces. But I don't yeah. see them making the finals again. No. It, it was the fact that they made it when they did, I think, was being a very solid team taking advantage of the situation that presented itself. You know what I mean? You had an injured Lakers team. You had uh, the injury to Kawhi Leonard um, in the Suns to their credit, played well, played consistently, were clearly the better team of the teams that were remaining in the playoff field. 100%, at least until they came against the Milwaukee Bucks. So give them credit for that. However, if we're looking at a healthy Lakers team and a healthy Clippers team even last year, then we might be talking about a different story altogether. So looking at it this year, again, if those teams are even healthy. Even a healthy Nuggets team might have been. You're, that's very challenge. true. Jamal Murray would have might have. That's very, very true. You said it. So you yeah. look at what they did. They took care of business. And that's where the credit goes to. But we're looking at them possibly doing the same thing next year. No, were they a team? I looked at both the Suns and the Jazz last year as four or five teams that took advantage of playing well, being together, and, and, and staying consistent when other teams suffered injuries and COVID, and that's why they were one and two. For sure. Like, they were four think, or five talent in the top positions. Yeah, I think the regular season, they'll be probably towards the top again, but – I think once it gets to the playoffs, they'll face a little more trouble than they did. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's kind of where we're looking at kind of like, what will they be after, um, after they come into a little more adversity, after you have a little more of a healthier team. Um, so yeah, let's, are we still in this tier? I think we're in the next tier, right? Um, I think we can, do you want to briefly go over the jazz? Oh yes, of course. The jazz. Yes, of course. Uh, this is, this is, that's how, that's how intense I am on them. Huh? I don't want to get hate from all the jazz fans. I mean, they already deal with enough. <laughs> they, yeah, they don't let stuff go either, and they love screen assists. But that's all I'm gonna say about that. I th- I like some of the moves they made, like the Rudy Gay signing, just a different look they can throw in. Um, the small off five, like I think that's a solid move. My biggest concern with this team still hasn't been addressed, which is their athleticism on the wings is pretty bad. Yeah, uh, Joe Ingles, Boyan. Royce O'Neal, like, it's a lot on Royce O'Neal to be the wing stopper. And he can be solid, but I think a guy like Derek Jones would be great on this team. Um, Larry Nance would be perfect. But just a little more athleticism on the wings is what I've been hoping this team gets, and they still haven't addressed that. So I think they're going to run into kind of the same issues in the playoffs where they're going to expect Gobert to save them a lot. And Gobert is a really good rim protector but he is not a 1v5 defender who can just take out the entire team. Yeah, that's, that's just not his game. That's just not, that's not his, his forte at all. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I think, think that uh-huh. – I think if the, the two guards are healthy, they'll be solid again. They'll probably get to the second round. But I think until they address that issue, their defense is still not going to be good enough. No, I agree with you. I just don't see it happening. And it's like their defense and also like I don't like that they don't have a lot of guys that can really – I mean, you saw what happened in the playoffs. Obviously, injuries happened. Donovan Mitchell dealing with the ankle injury. Um, you had the same with um, Mike Conley being out. But they don't have enough guys that I feel like consistently create their own offense. A lot of these guys are dependent on, 
you know, I, I'd say that the average shot creation ability of a Donovan Mitchell and everything that Mike Conley can provide when those two are out hampered or otherwise, you know, taken to the side, the team becomes very mortal very quickly. Yeah, I don't like their backup guard situation. No, not a they, fan. They Aside from Jordan Clarkson. No, Jordan Clarkson is good in the role that he is in. You know what I mean? But if you overstretch him or overmax out those abilities, you're not going to get very good returns because he's very good at that specific thing, which is that shot-making kind of guard who can do just enough creation to maybe get one or two guys an assist a game, you know? Yeah, for sure. He's closer to Lou Will type of guy. There you go. He is like a Ty Jones or something. Mm-hmm. And even then, not as good as Lou Will was as a playmaker. For sure. Yeah, so I'm I with think- you on that. And I've just uh, seen Gobert. I hate to say Gobert's got exposed. Obviously, he didn't get exposed. But, like, I just don't see this jazz, like, the foundation of this team, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, at the helm of this jazz team. I cannot see championship contention with it. That's just – that's the long and short of it. Like, with those two at the helm, I don't see a championship at the end of that of that window. You know, I, I don't see that in the distance. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where it kind of boils down to for me. Yeah, I think the thing about Gobert that kind of gets – misconstrued online is that they're asking him to do a lot more than he is mm-hmm. capable of where Gobert is probably the single best floories on defense in the NBA right now, but that's great for the regular season in the playoffs. You need a little more than that. Um, there's a reason why the Clippers have a good defense, even without that kind of rim protector like Gobert because yeah. they have enough perimeter guys that can hold up on their own. The Jazz are the exact opposite of that. They have no one on the perimeter who can hold up on their own except Royce O'Neal, but even then, he's kind of undersized, and they're kind of all just funneling into Gobert, hoping he can save them. But if you switch, it's just going to be harder on Gobert, and until they address that and really fix up their wings, this team is not going to go anywhere. No, no, I don't see it either. I'm with you as well. And it's, it's, it is what it is. It's a sad reality of a team that you know like you said they have issues and that's just the long and short of that um all right now we go to probably our biggest tier respectively i forgot what you what did you label this tier as uh i kind of talked about them as the um playoff fighters there we go that's yeah i did this in the playoffs they'll throw they'll be solid but i don't expect them to go too far yeah um I a lot did of some, uh-huh. it's because they're missing something or an injury is hampering them. But uh, for me, at least, tier three was the Nuggets, the Hawks, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Sixers, the Mavs, and the Celtics. Okay, see, I was a lot wider than you on this. So I did uh, playoff contenders, like teams that are either going to make the playoffs or on the outside looking in. Okay. But like that are going to like playing game like that area, like not clear bad teams, at least not yet. And so I guess we can kind of talk about all or, you know, let's kind of narrow down a few we're interested in. I have like every team you mentioned, Warriors, Blazers, Bulls, Celtics, Knicks, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Clippers, Mavericks, Hawks and Raptors. Like they're in the playoffs. You know what I mean? They're not quite in yeah. the mix. Like things break right and they win a championship, but they're not lottery bound either. And so that was like my biggest uh, portion as well. I mean, we went from, I had like, I think we were at seven teams just up until then. And I went from that to like 19 alone. So um, yeah, with that, let's just kind of go into like any of the more interesting ones you have in terms of teams that you like want to talk about that could kind of go either way or or whatever you, whatever strikes your fancy. I think the team that's most interesting here is the Warriors. Totally Um, agree. You have Clay coming back, which is huge, but 
how much of this team has really improved outside of that? I like some of the signings they made, like Otto Porter, if he can be healthy, he's, he's a solid player. I like Bielitsa for them. But aside from that, they didn't make that many moves. I think they're banking a little bit too much on Clay. Yeah, I say even more than that. I think they're putting not only a lot on Clay and the, and the better minimum signings that they got, but also guys like their young folks. You know, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody. Yeah. I think Moody might be able to step in a little more and help, but Kaminga is incredibly wrong. 100%. And my thinking is that even though it's possible, of course, that, you know, Moody can step in and be that guy. Do you really, as a championship contending team, because although they're placed in this playoff contention team, they really want to be a championship contention team, right? You know, they're, Steph Curry's 33 going on 34, um, Draymond's going on 31, Clay's going on 32. Like, this team isn't trying to just make the playoffs. But for a team that is trying to, quote-unquote, compete for a championship, they're relying on a lot of young guys who this is their first four into the NBA. There's going to be a lot of their trial through fire for no fault of their own because – the Warriors simply need them to be. For sure. And, I mean, look at what happened to Wiseman. They tried last year. It and it, it hurt them for a while because they tried to play young and develop. And eventually they decided they wanted to compete and they had to scrap that. Exactly. And, and when you, you – in this, in this stage right now, with the way the team is, you have too many young people that are, whether due to draft position or salary, whatever the case may be, they're going to play. Like – Oh, it's not working out? Well, too bad. You don't have enough players aside from that. You know, Otto Porter, very solid player, but also injury-prone the last couple of years. That's a tremendous risk. Now, my elites can only play so much. Clay Thompson trying for injury can only play so much. You don't want to ride Steph Curry to the ground? Don't do the same thing for Draymond. After that, you're looking at, like, Damian Lee, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson. You know, there's not a whole lot of guys, you know? Um, of course, Jordan Poole and such, but I'm just saying, you run out of – NBA, you know, really big game win caliber guys real quick. So you need them to play bigger than they possibly can. Like I said, just because they have no other options and that's not a great position you want to be, especially when, you know, you, they're trying to go after guys like Paul Millsap and, you know, like guys like that, but they didn't have the money and, or the potential fit for them in terms of playing time. They're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in terms of competing for a championship. And that's why I think we both have them in this area where, yeah, They'll probably make the playoffs, you know, knock on wood, no injuries occur or anything like that, that they gel well and, you know, some of the young guys step up in a, in a big enough way. But, like, this isn't a team that I'm going to see hoisting up the, the trophy at the end of the year. Yeah, unless Clay comes back and is just absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. and we start seeing the Splash Brothers just wreak havoc, I don't see this team making it past the conference finals if no. they get the hit. No, and even then, it'd have to be something that would happen during the playoffs. You have to catch fire during the playoffs. Guy, Daddy's going to come back, and the Warriors just going to hand him all the minutes. I, I doubt that, especially with the money he's on, just come off the injury, just being out for two whole years. They're going to take their time. So it's not going to happen all at once. And then if it does happen, yes, let's hope they catch fire in the playoffs and they go on a nice, magical little run. But, like, the likelihood of that happening, I mean, it's not likely. You know what I mean? It's possible because Clay Thompson and such, but it's also not likely as the last two years have shown. For sure. But, um, um, uh, yeah, what other teams do you have? I think the Blazers are interesting. Uh, you know, Dre, uh, apparently, at least going into the season so far, it looks as if um, Damian Lillard has kind of recommitted, at least for the time being, to Portland. Uh, but even with that, they did not make many major changes. You know, uh, you bring in a bunch Larry uh, Nance. of Larry Nance is your biggest one. <laughs> you know, like, you're right. Like, Larry Nance is, is – And your- he'll probably help them. Like, I, th- I don't think they're going to be, like, a bottom five defense anymore. 
No, no. But if you ask me, if, if, if your star player wants out, right, and he's like, hey, this isn't working. You retain Norman Powell, five years, 90 million. You bring in Larry Nance. You sign Cody Zeller, Ben McLemore, Tony Snell. You have non-guaranteed deals on Dennis Smith Jr. and Marquise Chris. Um, you have uh, Trendon Watford uh, on a two-way deal in addition to that. And Greg Brown as your second-round pick with a nice dunk and a decent post, uh, decent summer league. Like that or not, those aren't the moves that you make when you're like, you know what, this is what we're going to use to show our guy that, hey, we can make the moves around you that will make you want to stay. On the contrary, this reminds me very much of 2010 uh, Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James. Ooh. Like yeah. they made some moves. Remember, I think that was the year they brought in. They made the trade at midseason for Antoine Jamison. They brought in an overhill to Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. And, you know, you have these guys and it's like, uh, yeah, they're moves. You know, like, yeah, those guys in theory would possibly be good. They could be good. But even on their best day, they're not going to be what that guy asked for. And that's what I feel is here with with um, with Portland and Damian Little. Obviously, he's older than LeBron. It's a different situation. But like in terms of saying, oh, this is the help I need in the front office going, OK. And then they do something that's not exactly what he asked for, you know? Yeah, I think this team is still going to suffer in the same way where mm-hmm. it's going to come down to. Dame trying to save them in the first round again, and maybe they can get to a second round, but I don't see them really going any further unless they make some moves. And I still think a Dame move is possible later down the season, especially if they get off on a bad start. I agree. I agree. It's very much in play um, that that could happen. And then if so, what does this team look like? So I'm, I'm 100% agreeing with you there. I think for a team they're going to see in the offseason, it's, it's a lot to look at um, to say, you know what, this team can really make some noise as currently constructed. I feel they're maybe a slightly better version of last year's team. And that's not super great. So, yeah, I'm with you I mean, you they there. got rid of Mello and Cantor. So, like, you're all, your defense is already better. I mean, just by addition, by subtraction, of course, yes. But did you bring in the juice needed to then say, okay, we we, we upgrade our offense a little bit in minutes that, you know, we don't have Damian Lillard? Because at least Carmelo did that in spurts. And the same with with um, Cantor, even if they bled those points on the other end. Oh, for sure. I think yeah. mm-hmm. they'll be probably a little better than last year just due to health. But they're another team where you kind of have to worry at this point. CJ – is getting up there in age, has gotten hurt a little more every year. Mm-hmm. Nurkic is usually missing time all the every year. It's and, it's, a, it's Daniel's tradition. Yeah. I yeah, think, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's gonna be healthy. This team's really good, but they're not a championship quality team yet. No, and it's like you said, one healthy, and they and they right now unfortunately just aren't that. Um, any other yeah. team you think is interesting? Um I feel like we've got to talk about the Hawks just because they made these Easter Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Do you realistically see them making doing that again? I do not. I think that they're another okay. team like Phoenix that took advantage of the fact that they played well. You know, they were definitely a much improved team. I even saw them as maybe a second round team in general, like as their ceiling type deal. But no, it just didn't work out. I mean, it, it, I mean, sorry, it did work out, but it just isn't going to work out moving forward, if you ask me. I think that this team, um, you know, I still have some issues with the defense. They're still relying on some young guys who stepped up in moments, but I didn't like it, like, all the way. I I think that if they had run into a Brooklyn Nets team or something like that, then, you know, they happen to run into a Philadelphia team that, come on, like, imploded. Healthy indeed. 
Exactly. A healthy and beat, a healthy 76 team, it might have been a, even a little bit of a struggle. Like, I mean, it might have been a little struggle for them, for the, for the 76ers, but like that might have been the end of the line, you know? Uh, they wouldn't have got that far if it was a less favorable matchup. The New York Knicks team was a hand and glove fit for Atlanta team, and that they're a decent defensive team, didn't have the personnel to stop Trey Young, and then the offense on the other end to make up the difference. Sure. I think the Hawks will be a solid team, but I don't see them really making it past the second round. No. Um, the Clippers and Nuggets, I think we can kind of just talk about them at the same time. If they get Jamal Murray or Kawhi Laird back, they'll be a solid team. Otherwise, I kind of see them in the same area where they'll be a second-round team. Yeah. Um, the Nuggets might be able to get a little further just because they might be able to uh, – I'm really high on Bones Highland, and I think he can help them right now. Okay. Well, kind of step in a little bit. Really, I don't really see them making any further. I think he'll be able to, like, solve some of their scoring needs, but he's no Jamal Murray. No, no, he's not. You're right. Especially asking that for a new guy as well to replicate some of that. Maybe he has a, a similar chemistry and there's something to be said for that, but I agree with you. It's not going to be the same thing in that way. Yeah. And uh, then uh-huh, the yes. other two teams I have here, like the Celtics and the Mavs, I think they're pretty similar in the sense that like they have their core guys. Um, if healthy, they'll be a solid team, but I think they'll They'll at most be like a second round team, depending on the matchup. They might get a little further. Um, if Porzingis becomes what he used to be, Math can make it a little further. Uh, or if Jason Kidd is just a really good coach, uh, Celtics. I'm. I have. I want to see what Al Horford looks like with them again. Yeah. He was okay for OKC, um, but it's another year. Two years older. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And then they have Dennis Schroeder now. That'll be interesting. The pride of the Lakers. <laughs> no, I'm with you there. You're right. And the Mavericks, yeah, I don't know if they – I mean, you're still looking at Luka Doncic do a whole lot. You're still looking at Chris Alperzingis to be a guy he hasn't proven to be in Dallas. You know, you take out um, um, Richardson. Uh, and you bring in like Sterling Brown and, and, and Reggie Bullock, but is that enough help? Or is it more of the same? You extend um, Tim Hardaway Jr., but now you have a lot of guys who can make shots, but only one guy who can reasonably create for those guys. And I just don't think, I think it's another year where it's just going to be a lot and they'll probably get where they've been so far. Yeah. You know, just in the playoffs, uh, if they match up against a stronger team, if they match up against a weaker team, that could be like Atlanta Hawks where they're in play, where if the right matchup, Dallas can overcome it just on the greatness of Luka Doncic and, and some real hot shooting from, you know, Dallas. But if they go against like a, a real uh, proper opponent for their range uh, and we're looking at them being on the lower seed, then I think Dallas is out again in the first round, albeit a tough, you know, maybe six, seven game series, but out just nonetheless. Yeah, if Dallas doesn't go against Kawhi, mm-hmm. I think they'll get out of the first round this time. Yeah. As long as it's not like the Lakers or something. Exactly. Yeah. Any other team other than those two, I'll be fine with. Mm-hmm. But I think Celtics are kind of a similar board where they just, they're a young team. They have some questions, but I don't see them making a huge run anytime soon. Yeah. And I have a couple more teams just to add into that playoff contending mix. I have the Bulls, I have the Celtics, I have the Raptors, um, and I have the Grizzlies. All these guys are in the Knicks as well. <laughs> all these guys are, all these teams are good. All these teams I could see in the postseason, I could just see it very kind of short order them being out of the postseason. Um, and I also don't think that they have enough. You already mentioned the Celtics. So I'm bringing them up just because of where I had them ranked in that similar boat. But the Knicks, I mean, they brought back the whole gang. Well, those weaknesses are still there. You know, <laughs> like I, I still I mean, they know. They brought in the Celtics entire backcourt. 
Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. Oh, there you go. They brought both of them. There you go. They brought the, they, they said, why not? You know, um, real, not realizing that Kevin Walker didn't play in the postseason um, very well, you know, when he did. Um, and then, of course, Evan Fournier was lost. But Evan Fournier, honestly, that trade, I mean, we could probably take that Boston's. He, he looked out of place that entire Boston time. You know, I'm not sure if COVID came, it came in the play or something there, but he was just out of it that entire time. But yeah, you look at those guys, Kemba Walker, if healthy, that's a big if, especially with those knees. I'm not overly optimistic on it. So when you look at that, you got the rest of the guys. I think they'll be a playoff team. I think they're going to have tough defense. It's a Tom Thibodeau coach team. You know, these guys are long-term. They should feel comfortable. They're going to have that edge. That's not going away. I just don't see them being a team that's like, oh, yeah, you know, conference finals, you're in New York Knicks. Nah, not this squad. Um, the Grizzlies. How many minutes do you think Kemba Walker is going to play with Tibbs? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, okay, so Tibbs is probably going to be aware of Kemba Walker's knee injury, you know, knee history. Um, and the fact that he gets injured very quickly, uh, along with his age, you know, going to be 31. I think that Thibodeau takes all of that into consideration and plays him. I was, you knew the joke I was <laughs> going to. Exactly. I was going to say he plays him 41 minutes a night. <laughs> you knew exactly where I was going with that, bro. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, it's I think, an interesting yeah, experiment. it really is, especially when backing him up as 33 going on 34-year-old Derrick Rose. Oh my god! Exactly. This, this like, team is—it's gonna be fun. Yep. Who, by I the like way, RJ was Barrett. your best offensive weapon last year in the postseason? And RJ Barrett, who RJ Barrett gets a lot of slack on Twitter. I'm not sure why. He's a very solid guy. He's just kind of in the mix right now for me. I noticed I didn't bring him up till just now. Um, but like he's solid. I don't, I don't see why he catches all this flack. No, I, I think it's just because who was drafted next to him. I think when the guys in front of you are John Morant and Zion. They kind of expect you to be on that same level, which is kind of ridiculous. There's no obligation to be as good as the person in front of you. Exactly. You said it. Like, it's, it's, it, there's no reason for that to be the case. Yeah. 100%. Um, but, uh-huh. Do you want to talk about the Bulls? Yeah. They're an interesting squad. Let's talk about them. Like, what do you look at them and see? Every time I look at them, I either think they're a team that's going to make it to the first round or they're going to fight for a playoff spot. I have no idea what to think of this team. They're weird. I mean, you got, you know, you, you have, um, of course, Zach Levine. You have um, Nik- um, Nikola Vucevic. You bring in DeMar DeRozan. You bring in Lonzo Ball. Probably should reverse those two because Lonzo Ball is fine. DeMar DeRozan is an interesting piece. Um, it's just, I mean, you make the trade and you could have had, you're part of that Blazers Cavs trade where you potentially could have had um, Larry Nance Jr., but instead go for uh, Derek Jones. It's just very, I don't know. I don't know. So what I have you, a question for you. Would you, if this team didn't make that DeRozan move, would you be higher on them? So, I like the fact that they made this move. Okay. I, I, I like, like, I like the fact that he's there as an additional shot creator. I think someone who can play that off the bench, another go-to guy. There's not a lot of pressure on um, Zach Levine now, you know, because you have someone who can also get a bucket and playing more of a role that he's comfortable in that, in that second piece. 
um, in DeRozan. You know, Lonzo Ball's not that guy. He's not even really a primary playmaker. He's really more of a, a very good secondary playmaking guy. So I think when you do that, you know, DeMar DeRozan, I think, you know, you have a guy who can get to a spot. We saw how well he played with San Antonio in terms of clutch shot making. You know his playmaking ability uh, defensively. I mean, we kind of know the issues there already. But also, you know, I think he's a solid asset to this team. Now, the contract is what I have an issue with because he's 32 now. Um, going to be, yeah, and you're, you're paying him, like, what, three years guaranteed? That's a lot, especially for a guy that is very, you know, he could have an Andre Miller-like career toward his, his decline or his latter stage of his career, but it could be very weird on this particular team. I like it as if, if he's not being looked at as the final piece. You know, if he's the final piece, then, yeah, there's mistakes were had. But, like, other than that, I, I do like the fact that he's able to kind of give the Bulls a different look, if you know, if you know what I mean there. Yeah, I think for me the biggest question is defense. Like, who on this team is defending? I mean, point of attack defense is good with Curtis on Lonzo, but your front line is Vucevic and DeRozan. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, no, I'd rather have him off the bench. I'm not gonna lie. I don't like. I don't like him as a four. I like him as a four out of necessity, but let's be real. DeMar DeRozan hasn't changed his body type. He's not any slower than he was. I mean, he sucked navigating through screens, but, like, he's the same DeMar DeRozan in terms of frame and body type. Like, he only played the four because there's some position, positional flexibility there. And even so, I mean, he spaces you out to what? 20 feet you know he's not even taking you out to the three-point line like him being a four in this situation especially when you have Vucevic and Patrick Williams and such it doesn't make any sense to me I mean but on the other hand who else is playing the four aside from Patrick Williams hmm. I mean can Patrick Williams play the four at this point I don't know if he's ready yet I mean who do you look at more qualified to play that four spot do you look at DeMar DeRozan and better qualify than, than, than Williams. I mean, just off of being able to like do it for long-term alone, I think that, yeah, you could have him there, but. I... No, I think Williams should be the four, but I think they're going to end up playing DeRozan at the four. More than likely. I really wish they would. I mean, you look at the squad. Yeah. If you look at the way it's positional positions, they don't even have like a quote unquote actual qualified power forward on their roster. You know, it's Alizé, Johnson, Troy Brown. Huh? I'm just mad that they got rid of Thad Young. I didn't understand. Yes. Yep, exactly. And you're right. You already have another guard in Alex Caruso as well. I'd rather just bring up the bench with Alex Caruso. But actually, that might be a horrible lineup in terms of spacing. So maybe I should walk that back. This team could be really good offensively, but their defense just has so many questions. Yeah. And then on the other hand, like, Uh if you have – you have you ideally want Levine with the ball in his hands a lot. What is DeRozan doing outside of that? Because uh-huh. Lonzo will be a catch and shoot guy. DeRozan's not a catch and shoot guy. True, true. And if you want to put the ball in DeRozan's hand, I mean, Levine is great off ball, but Levine is a better on ball guy. Yeah. That is true. And you're right. How many of these guys can play off the ball? I mean, like you said, Levine can play off the ball, but he's better playing on the ball. So you look at that and you're like, um, is that what you want? I, yeah, it's such I, a funky I have a mix. lot of questions this is, on this team. No, I'm glad you really, like, well, the more you look at it, the more concerned you are. We're going to be able to have another, another conversation just on this Bulls team alone. Yeah, I, I just, 
I still can't get over the fact that they didn't get Larry Nance. I mean, if they had Larry Nance on this team or Thad Young, I'd be mm-hmm. so much higher on this team. True. I have to ask you a question about uh, the Bulls. Uh, Tomas Sadaransky uh, put out today on his uh, farewell with the Bulls that it was tough. It was terse, he said. You're in this city for two years. You fight for them. You live for the team. And then you get a, you receive a text from general manager Karnasovas. Thanks for your time in Chicago. That was the only thing I got from him. But I'm not angry. You can't be emotional in that moment. But when th- one thinks about it, after two years of hard work, it's especially brutal. Um, what will you remember about the Tom- Thomas Sadaransky era in <laughs> Chicago <laughs> and the unceremonious ending in a text um, what do you think about that? Like, <laughs> what was he? Uh, oh my God. What did he think that? Uh, what did he think was gonna happen? Like, I mean, wow! Oh my said, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to spring that on you. I thought that was the most hilarious thing. You live for the team. All I got was a text. You, I'm not angry. You can't be emotional. But when one thinks about it, after two years of hard work, it's especially, it's actually brutal. He didn't say it's especially brutal. He said it's actually brutal. I mean, the hard work is probably just dealing with a multitude of coaches and personalities they've had. Oh my God. Dude, that's, that's all I wanted to say. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, let's. I just thought it was a hilarious way to end that particular um that particular um yeah i think we can move off the bulls yeah yeah no let's go down what do you feel about the lottery teams here is that your no no you have an additional you have an additional um category don't you yeah it's kind of like the raptors the grizzlies the pelicans um the wizards the hornets where they're kind of like the eighth seed to the play-in range Mm -hmm. um Grizzlies, I'm, I'm a little worried that they – Valanchunas was a huge part of their offense last year as a guy they could throw the ball to and just get a bucket towards the end of the shot clock. Uh, Steven Adams isn't that guy. But I think they'll with the healthy Jared Jackson for a lot of the year, they should be a little better. Um, Pelicans, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> Honestly, the front – oh, my gosh. I don't – I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't you make had Lonzo. any sense to me. Huh? You had Lonzo. Why I just, would you give up a first-round pick to get Devontae Graham instead? It's just – I don't know, man. It doesn't make any sense to me. The, the downgrading there, the not really uh, applying good shooting, there was a great piece I read. I have to link it or, or find it, but about um, did the Pelicans approve their shooting? And he goes down each position on what they had – what they gained, and the net result was maybe. You have a clear <laughs> need. You have a, you have a clear need. Everyone who was it said, uh, hmm? Was it the GM who said that Valentinus uh, was brought in because he was a great floor spacer? Yes. I mean, Listen, I made the... I feel so bad about this episode, but it still exists. I made... Um, a um, Like a case for Valentinus being a better floor spacer than... Um, you know, uh, Steven Adams. And I went and I supped on that. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what did you say, Corbin? Like, what in the world were you thinking? Like, yes. Yeah, he's a better floor spacer. He's a better floor spacer in theory. And if you were asking, exactly, if you were saying, who is more likely to make a three-pointer, Steven Adams or Jonas Valanciunas? Then, of course, I'd say Jonas Valanciunas and I'd be right. But if you're going to say who's, it's not like he's going to sit there and take, you know, four threes a game. 
So, like, yes, he's better in theory of taking that shot, but where does he like to be? Right where Steven Adams was. Is he a better finisher? I'm going to yes. guard Westbrook a lot closer than I am Steven Adams or Jonas Valanciunas. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's like, I don't understand. Like, oh, my gosh. it's This is just... David Griffin, and I i mean, he I thought he did good in Cleveland. He has been so bad for the Pelicans, just actively destructive for Zion Williamson. He's probably the closer allegory to LeBron James in terms of you see the need this team is making, you can make the moves to help them, but you didn't. Yeah. I, I just, this team is full of questions. I mean, <sighs> I think they're banking a lot on internal development from guys like Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kara Lewis, but – that's a lot to expect. Yeah, it, it, and that's putting it lightly, dude. <laughs> like, that's putting it lightly. I think this team is actually more in my my uh, lottery team. Yeah, I think I don't I, see the only reason I'm higher is just because they have Zion, and Zion is just such a ridiculous force that he might be able to bump them up a little bit, but I have no confidence in the team itself. No, I just I, – I don't, I don't understand it. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't have confidence in the team. Uh, outside of, of course, Zion and Brandon Ingram. Um, you don't know what we're going to get from Devontae Graham. You don't know what we're going to get from Jonathan Antunas in terms of fit on this squad. Uh, you are you don't really have a solid two. You know, you're looking at internal development for one of your younger guards who didn't really get a whole lot of playing time last year to all of a sudden just step in at three position. I mean, that two spot, I, I don't like that at all. Um, yeah, I have some concerns on this team entirely. One thing I'm not concerned about is whether or not, whether or not they make the postseason, because to me, they won't. Um, I have them squarely in my lottery group. And uh, actually, I want to get your, your squads on, on the lottery. The guys, you know, they're not making the playoffs. They're just not. No, nothing's nothing's going to happen where you squint and go, hmm, yeah, they will. Actually, before I do, because I don't know if they're on this or not, I think this is an intriguing kind of team where they are in the barometer of this. Where do you have the Washington Wizards? So I have them in that, like, if – I think it, I would have them in the tier by themselves. Yeah. But it would be, like, right in between the lottery and the play-in where I just don't know what's going on with Beal. But I think their their talent is a little better. And I think if Thomas Bryant can get healthy, they'll be a solid team. But I don't know. If Beal leaves, this team's going to be a mess. He stays. This team isn't going to make it past the first round if they even get into the playoffs. I just don't. I. I. I yeah. I. I. I, I, I mean, I love their backcourt. Huh? Yeah. I love their backcourt. Oh yeah. Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. Definitely offensive minded for sure. Um, you look at Spencer Dinwiddie. You assume he has a lot to prove, a lot to get back. You know, so you're excited about how that's going to come out. Um, defensively, not too excited between the two of them. Just not even going to lie about that. Um, although I thought that Bradley Beal made some improvements last year. Um, well, slight, but he made some. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the team is deeper than last season before entirely. You have some real depth on this squad. You know, uh, that Lakers trade, you know, you move Westbrook. Yeah, you lose a lot of, like, singular talent, but you get a lot of additional depth in terms of KCP, Kyle Kuzma, you know, having um, – Montrezl Harrell as well. You know, you bring in Daniel Gafford. You have, I mean, don't bring in Daniel Gafford, but you keep Daniel Gafford. The return of um, Thomas Bryant. Um, you already have Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdija. Like, you have a good group of guys. It's just a matter of how they all fit and whether when all that time plays together that they're that good a squad. Yeah, I think this team is probably a couple of years away from being a real playoff mix kind of team, but they're getting there. I like some of the moves they made. 
I'm just amazed that they were able to get off the John Wall contract. Yeah. So, yeah. They, they, they turned into Westbrook and then they turned into KCP, Montrez, Kuzma. Like, really they, good they made out business from Tommy Shepard and them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. All right, now we can get to the lottery team. Let's, let's break them down, bro. So the Kings, or <laughs> I had the Kings, the Cavs, the T-Wolves, the Spurs, the Pistons, the Rockets, the Magic, the Thunder. I think those are the teams for me that are like established are going to be in the lottery. And I have those exact same teams. So I, I'm with you on that for sure. Uh, which are those are the most intriguing or which of those do you think are the most surprising to be on that list? I don't know if I'm surprised. It's more like, I think the T-Wolves are just a, a bit intriguing because of the whole Ben Simmons angle. Maybe they get him. Um, but this team just has a lot of holes where I think they have some solid guys. Like, I really want to see what Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels can look like when they're all healthy. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take some time, and I don't know if this team's ready. And then defensively, this team is awful. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> defensively, I, I don't know who they stand in front of. It's like the walking just, just I don't know, cheese graters. Like, there's holes everywhere. Uh, do you have the Hornets in that mix? No, I, I have the, the Hornets, Hornets are just a buyer. I feel like we talked um, about, okay. Yeah, do you want to talk about the Hornets real quick? Let's talk about them for a second, because I feel they're on the outside looking in personally, but I don't know if I consider them lottery bound, you know? I think for me, it just it purely depends on Gordon Hayward. If yeah. he's healthy, I think they can fight for the play-in. Otherwise, they'll probably still be a little further away. I agree. I agree. It's it, it, it's one or the other, and I think a lot rides on Gordon Hayward. And, and unfortunately, um, given how – unfortunately, given his track record of health, I don't think it's wise to bet on him being 100% throughout the entirety of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think at this point you just kind of got to expect him to miss a, a lot of time. But if he's healthy, I mean, they'll be a good team. But they're probably still looking in maybe a little further down that list. Um, but, yeah. It's going to be fun. All right, so one last question real quick before we head out here. What are the most intriguing of teams in the lottery for you? Teams that, yes, they're going to be there, but will be fun to watch, kind of see if we can chart any individual development or things of that nature. I'm uh, especially intrigued by the Orlando Magic for sure um, and the Houston Rockets as well. Um, but I, I'd love to get your your takes on is it because of the rookies, just other pieces on the team, um, how the Spurs look, even though they are going to be bad. Uh, kind of what are your more intriguing teams that are in that lottery? Because, of course, there's to be some type of intrigue, even if we know where they're going to be. So for me, I'm a huge SGA fan, so I'm always going to be watching the Thunder. But I love Josh Giddy in the draft. I thought he was – I think he might have some Lonzo Ball kind of upside where he's just this phenomenal passer – who, if he can add a little more on offense, he might be a really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then always Poku. I mean, you God, just got to watch him. That's uh, for sure. The Cavs, I, ju- I just really want to see how Mobley looks. Um, I thought I, I thought in this draft, Mobley might have the highest ceiling of any player in this draft. Um, if he reaches it, I don't know if he can. But – 
the way the Cavs are building, I just have no idea what they're doing. They gave Jared Allen this huge contract. They brought in Larry Markin in. They have they still have Kevin Love on this team. Feels like they're just clogging the lane for Mobley to play. Yeah. And I I just really want to see how that works. Um the Pistons are gonna be interesting with Cade. It's always gonna be fun to watch him. Uh, and then see how that works with Killian Hayes, who didn't get to play a lot last year because of injuries. And then the Rockets. I'm a huge uh, Shingoon fan. I, want I to see love him. And him. Play. Yes. Summerly, he was so much fun to watch. He really was. It wasn't he? No, that Rock, I love that Rockets team entire in general. But like, wasn't Shingoon just so fun? I mean, he didn't even look that. Just going to work in the post. It was very uh, Luis Scola like to me. Luis Scola. Yeah, you're actually right. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just. I think like the ra- the knock on him was, oh, he's not going to be like this interior defender, and yeah, he's not like going to be Anthony Davis, but I think he'll he was pretty solid from what I saw. He was really good at just staying vertical and being a smart player and just closing off lanes and just being a presence in the paint. And I think he's a guy you can actually switch out onto perimeter and actually be solid. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he plays. Uh, that team itself will just be interesting with what they do with John Wall and Eric Gordon. I think some teams might be willing to look at uh, trading for them, especially Gordon. Uh-huh. But I like a lot of their young guys. Josh Christopher is pretty solid. And then Jalen Green is just going to be a scoring monster. Yeah, Jalen Green is going to be fun, man. He That NBA-ready skill of his putting the ball in the basket is going to be fun off the bat. I remember doing um for – um. Well, look, during SBC, looking at Josh Christopher, definitely like him as well. Um, we're adding this to a team that has Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. Like, fun is something that they will be, even while they give up tons of points and lose a lot of games. They're going to be – they're a huge, like, a crazy athletic team. Like, mm-hmm. Kenny Mar Jr. on that team as well, Christian Wood. Like, they're a team that will fly in transition and just be constantly running up and down the floor. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's going to be fun to see, especially as Steven Silas now um, gets a chance to really implement his whole kind of coaching strategy on this team, his coaching philosophy, rather, on this unit. Because he didn't really get a fair shot last year in between the James Harden fiasco and injuries and all the turmoil there, you know, losing all those games. He didn't really get a chance to really take this team and, like, build in his own image in that way. I think now he's really going to get the opportunity with this young roster, and it should be a lot of fun to see. Yeah, for sure. And I think the Magic... I mean, obviously, I want to see Jalen Suggs, but I really like Franz Wagner. I think he can be, like, a really good 3 and D wing in this league, maybe go out a little more of playmaking side. And then mm-hmm. they just have a lot of young guys on their team, especially guards, like R.J. Hampton. I mean, Fultz is still there. Jonathan Isaac, if he ever gets healthy, I think can be a real defensive player of the year kind of guy. And it'll just be fun to see all that talent on one team. And no, I, I, agree. I mean, I'm a huge Jamal Mosley fan, so I, I just want to see how he does. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – that's another guy, another coach I really want to see put his imprint on this squad with a young unit that's willing to grow. I would have much rather had Moses Moody um, on this roster than Franz Wagner because I feel like Moses Moody has a lot more potential to be like a, 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 like a great player on a squad, like a, like a top player on a team than I do with Franz Wagner, who I just see as like a jack-of-all-trades kind of master and none type guy. Um, that's just my own personal philosophy on it, but like I'm very intrigued to see kind of where that goes. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. think a lot of teams will be interesting this year just because there's a lot of interesting talent on them. 
But, I mean, with all how good the other rest of the teams are, they have no choice but to be kind of stuck in the lottery. Exactly. No, you said it. They, it is what it is. You're right. They're, they're, they, they, are, they are there, and that's 100% accurate. Unless you're OKC and you're just, like, decided this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure I'm as bad as possible. Hey, and they have the ability to do that. I mean, so Derek Favors is available. You know they're going to parlay him for some picks. <laughs> for sure. Any other last thoughts on it, before I let you go here, man? I'm so happy to um, have been able to do this with you, and we might have to make this regular thing. Uh, no, I think I'm good for now, but um, hopefully Ben Simmons, something happens in the next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Break it down. Uh, you know what? I'll say yeah. right now, if a Ben Simmons trade happens before the season starts, you want to come back on? Sure. I mean, I'm going to have to talk about it at some point. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. There we are. Listen, uh, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, Round Ball Ramble is trying to get the exclusive uh, podcasting rights of uh, Mr. Honorood here. So, got to make sure to let that happen for sure, man. Hey, man, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, really had a lot of fun with you breaking this down. And, yeah, we're going to have another one real soon, man. But uh, until the next time, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Hey, definitely make sure to check me out, y'all, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall. Like I said, on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Online, Hoop-Ball.com. Still got a lot of great offseason content going on. There's a great way to get our minds going to the start of next season. So that is fastly approaching and hyped to get to that. But until next time, y'all, for my bro, Anna Rude, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.